Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Empaths with Samantha and Denise, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week, we're going to be doing our monthly community connection show, where we read and share questions and stories that you all have sent in. We hope that you're having a great and happy, restful interlude to your summer. Take a moment to just sit back and listen, pull up a chair, pour yourself a cup of tea or coffee, and join us for a lovely discussion. We've got some really good questions and topics to share, don't we, Denise? Oh, they're amazing. I just love how varied everyone is. I mean, we're all like-minded, but we all come in with such different information. I love it. I do, too. Do you want to start with our first question? I would love to. The first one is, it starts with a nice compliment. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Reminding me that it doesn't matter how great of a psychic you are, people will still find you weird, evil, or of the devil. When I was working as a massage therapist, I, massage therapist, I was made to feel that way. I'm a Reiki practitioner, and when I first started, my boss was okay with it, but then the brand changed. She took it off the treatment menu and didn't even tell me. I would have people come in asking about it, and I was perfectly fine still doing it, even without it on the menu. But when the receptionist started asking me questions about it, and then another therapist piped up about me being able to feel the emotions of others. Well, the thought of Reiki already was a little too much for the receptionist, but the thought of me being an empath sent her over. She was like, wait, what? Can you read my mind? LOL. I tried to explain now that I try to keep it shut off unless you ask. I normally only can't help if, if I'm super close to that person or if the emotions are extreme. I don't want to feel your emotions. I want to feel mine. I don't want to have to figure out if it's mine or yours. Well, she was very on guard around me, and I've changed path to more medical field, but thanks, ladies, for making me feel not so weird and alone. I think that is, just really quickly, I think that is such a huge issue for people right now. Uh, More and more people are waking up. They're stepping out of the closet. They're saying, you know what, this is who I am. And, And so many folks are trying to figure out that balance between, you know, it's a foot in both worlds. I agree. And I feel like the line is almost getting more divisive now rather than less divisive, which is causing me concern and some curiosity. I I, I feel like before, if you were interested in crystals and Reiki, people would think, oh, you're a little strange, but we love you anyway. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like, (laughs) I feel like people are kind of drawing a line in the sand where it's either, well, of course you love Reiki and crystals. And if you love Reiki and crystals, then you must also be a vegan and a hippie and love everyone and be this and not be a Christian or a Jewish person. I I don't know. I just feel like the lines that are being drawn now are are more severe than they have been in the past on both sides. And and I'm hoping that's just a sign of, of how we are all waking up and think about when you wake up in the morning some people wake up and they're so happy and they jump out of bed and they put their running shoes on and they just go into their day others of us wake up and we're like oh crap is that my alarm (laughs) so I think I think you can compare it to this waking up that we're all doing and and some people are waking up gently and excitedly and some are waking up with confusion and anger and fear and so as we go into this new energy that I feel started around five years ago and I think we're still in the thick of it I think we all have to be gentle with ourselves but also with other people who are having a really hard time with this enlightenment that so many of us are going through I I especially feel for the woman who wrote this question because I've seen that in in my own little town where Spas will offer Reiki, they'll offer, um, I can't remember the name of it now, but that oil drop therapy where you drop oil Mm -hmm. on on your forehead to open the third eye. And then I'll go in to get my massage the next month and those services are off the menu, just as she said. And I always wonder, is it the high paying clients that come in every week and complain about that stuff on there? Or is it just management changing? I don't know. But you do see that and certain towns you know tend to foster enlightened empaths and other towns tend to keep us in hiding right and the only other thing i'd like to add to that is that 
as it becomes more mainstream, so to speak, then it allows people to culturally make a stereotype. So, so going yeah. back to what you said, and also the, the fear-based stuff of what people, Reiki has become much more, more, more and more people understand what it is, why they do it. But the, these little fringe um, modalities that people are waking up to, or uh, people love them, they want them, but it's getting that client base to follow it. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if yeah. that's part of it as well. Well, and I also think if anyone is listening to us in Colorado or California, they're probably thinking, what the hell are these ladies talking about? (laughs) (laughs) But you go to other parts of the country and this stuff is still very much fringe. Yes. I can't, I can't tell you guys how many times in the course of a week I'm called a hippie. And I think if you look at me, you'll see I am not your stereotype. Okay. I drive a minivan. Okay, and I know hippie, sweetie, and you aren't. I no no disrespect, but it's just <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I I I'm just laughing because I'm just picturing who I see in in my own stereotype of hippies, and no, they you wouldn't be in that club. <laughs> no, anyway. but they do it. I mean, I had a guy coming over doing some work on my house. And he was like, ma'am, why are there rocks on all your windowsills? Are you a geologist? Oh, wow. And I said, no, I just love crystals. And he goes, oh, you're a hippie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. I really wanted to say, oh, you're a fill in the blank, but I didn't. Right. Because I'm spiritual, damn it. No, I'm kidding. And you're kind. Yes. Okay. We'll do the next question. (laughs) Yes. Hello, ladies. This is my favorite podcast, and I listen to several. Uh, I enjoy how to utilize the full time to uh, job stuff to discussing fascinating topics each week. Well, thank you. My question is referring to the episode recently about discovering the differences between being a medium and being psychic. I've noticed, uh, for example, the other day I was driving, and in my mind, it was as if someone were telling me, train, train, train literally over and over until I decided to listen and cross over the train tracks. I continued to pick up my kids from school. Sure enough, two blocks later, the train goes by blocking traffic off from where I was. The same thing happened the other day when I was sitting reading a book and the thought kept running in my head of my son rolling off his bed onto the floor. Seconds later, I heard a thump on the floor and he had rolled a foot drop off his bed. Another example would be when I was driving alone and kept thinking deer, plain and simple. Ten seconds later, a deer, a deer jumps right out in front of me. Luckily, I missed it. This usually happens when I'm in a relaxed state of mind, like when I'm driving. I often feel like I have a loved one in the car with me when I'm driving. I believe it's one of my grandparents, but I can't tell who. When I was around seven, I would see the outline of a little boy about my age. He had a colored striped shirt and looked to me like Christopher Robin from Winnie the Pooh. I would always sleep with my door open, and then it all went away. I believe it's not mediumship, but something else. Intuition, maybe? Okay, so I just want to say, I I think all of those examples are something most intuitives should be nodding their head and relating to. Mm-hmm. When we are driving, it does put you into, I don't know if it's the theta or delta or alpha state but there's these different states of awareness that any hypnotist could quickly correct me on and when we're driving we drop down into one of those lower states of of consciousness where it is easier to get our intuition going we can get into that lower state of, of subconscious where we can connect into our intuition when we're doing anything repetitive So if you're knitting or crocheting or if you're cooking a meal you've cooked a thousand times or you're washing dishes or you're in the shower or you're going for a walk, something where your body, your conscious mind is busy and doesn't have to think a lot, you can drop down to that inner calm where you can connect with your intuition and it makes it easier to get information like that. When she talks about feeling a grandparent in the car, but she can't tell who, I think we all have felt that as well. And actually, if you go um, onto some different ghost websites or if you go to the bookstore and look through ghost photo books, you'll see a lot of people have actually taken photos of this 
there's a couple of famous photos of people who will go to a cemetery to visit, say, a grandmother. And for some reason, they take a picture of the car on, as they're leaving. And they'll, they'll be a, there's one picture, and the grandmother they just went to visit is sitting in the back seat of the car, uh, which is interesting. As an aside, that's a new thing to me, taking pictures at funerals. Did you know that? Uh, oh, my gosh. I didn't realize people did that, that, but they like to take a picture with the person who's passed, like a selfie. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that shocked me. I, I was shocked. Yeah. And I thought, is this, and, and I thought it was just this one woman who was doing it because she was basically climbing in the coffin and doing a selfie with her grandmother. And, and I was looking around and no one seemed to think it was odd. And then someone next to me said, oh no, people do that now. They want that last picture. Yeah, I think that's or very they'll do bizarre. family photos at the grave or family photos at the memorial, the wake. It's, it's a new world. But anyway, so oftentimes our loved ones will sit in the car with us. Um, and then I just want to tap on her comment about seeing a little boy when she was a little girl, and then I'll let you jump in. Okay. I think a lot of children are naturally intuitive. There's a lot of different speculations as to why this is so. Some believe it's because kids are closer to the heavenly realm that we all call home. Others believe it's because children aren't jaded. They still believe. They believe in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and this giant bunny hopping through their house. So why not believe in a ghost? And you have to have that belief in order to see. Others believe it's something more scientific, that it's the um, rods and cones of their eye development haven't narrowed and focused the way they do um, as we develop and grow into our late teens and 20s. And so they're able to actually see spirits from different dimensions. But it's very common for intuitive children to see spirits when they are little. And it's very common for them to see spirits their age because a lot of ghosts who are children will gravitate naturally towards other kids their age, like attracts like, and they want to be in that energy of a child. So all of that to me is signs that she does have intuition. Because she's seeing the little boy and sensing the grandparent in the car, that would be the tip-off to me that she has latent mediumship abilities. I agree. I agree. And I, as you were speaking about the car and pictures of people in the car, uh, I bought an old, you know, my, my deal, I buy old cars and I, there was an old woman sitting in the front seat and I knew she didn't belong with me. And I had to help her. Like I, and I was working in, at someone's home and I came out and I thought, who in God's name is sitting in the front seat of my car. And it, it was, the, it was this old woman that kind of came with the car. And later on, I found out that this man was selling his mother's car who had passed. So that made sense. She was in the car. But the other thing, I have folks in the car a lot when I'm driving places, and that sometimes it's people will jump in early before I get to go and do mediumship readings. But as I was thinking about this, I wonder if it's because, you know, it's a confined space. We spend a lot of time in there. It holds our energy. And as you said, it's, it's that muscle memory where we're relaxed, we're able to think about other things. Um, if that makes it more conducive to, yeah, I think to so. making the connection. I think it's any time we can calm our monkey mind down. And yes. you think about your monkey mind as a three-year-old child. Remember when your kids were three and you, if they could watch the Teletubbies for 20 minutes, you could actually take a shower. If mm -hmm. you could get them interested in the coloring book for 10 minutes, you could turn the oven on and get the sheet of, of food in the oven. You know, it's like calming them down for just a minute so you can get something done. That's how I think it is with intuition. If you can calm your three-year-old monkey mind down enough to just settle down, then you can tune in. And I think when we're driving, our monkey mind is like, okay, I got to look at these cars. I got to focus mm -hmm. on this road ahead of me. I got to check my rearview mirror. It knows what it's doing. It can focus and calm down on that. So then your higher self, your inner intuition can link in. But I also want to say, to the older lady you saw sitting in your used car. I stopped watching John Zaffis' show, Haunted Objects, because it depressed me. Denise, if I've gone through all the shit I've gone through in my life to end up haunting my used minivan, that would be hell. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like 
the place that you'd really hang out, does it? Yeah. And I mean, I, I love John's office. I liked the show. But when they had like a haunted lawnmower on or something, I was like, give me a freaking break. Like there has to be more to life at the end of this. And no, sir, I love my lawnmower. I'm not leaving this thing. I spent a lot of money on that. No, that is not my afterlife. Oh, goodness. Do you want to read the next question? <laughs> sure. Oh, wait, wait. I didn't oh. actually answer that question. Hold on. So the difference between intuition, psychic ability, and mediumship. If you get those hints like, oh, a deer is going to be crossing the road, or, oh, your son's about to roll off the bed, uh, which I hope he was okay. That's a, that's a scary moment we all parents can relate to. Uh, you get an intuition of, oh, trains are coming across the train track. That's intuition. And I would say 99.9% of people have that and can develop it if they choose. When you are seeing spirits in your room as a child or a teen or an adult, when you are sensing the deceased and the energy of deceased loved ones, that's mediumship. I'd like to add one more little thing. If you're driving in the car and you get a flash of, say, your father who's deceased and then at the same time almost a simultaneous train, 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 or if you turn on the radio and you hear a song that you, and you say, oh, that's my father's favorite song. I think that it can also be that person in spirit giving you a warning. So Definitely. I agree with you very much so that it's your intuition. It's, it's that instinctual place we all have in our brain. It's primal. We, we have it if we just choose to open the door. But I do think sometimes in the, um, if there's a dangerous situation or I, I truly believe it's either guides or guardian angels or someone in, in spirit who loves us that's saying, okay, pop this thought in her head so that she can avoid a, um, a situation. Yes. Excellent point. Thank you. Okay. You want so to ready for the next one? Yeah. Yes. Um, I have something that regularly happens to me out of nowhere. I'll say out loud. I want to go home. Most importantly, most of the time I am home when I say it. It's not something I'm thinking or something I feel just out of the blue. I say it when I, I start to analyze myself asking, why did I say that and feel a little crazy after I started listening to your show, which made me feel so much better. Maybe you can help me figure it out. Why would I say that I'm working on getting in touch with my true self? Thank you. I've been talking to a lot of people lately that are suffering with having a hard time staying on the planet right now. The energies are so dense and so extreme. And, and this is, you know, a, a people scattered. This isn't just a, a select group or demographic. And I think part of this is it's, it's kind of hard to be here right now for a lot of sensitive people, for a lot of empathic people. And the first thing when I read that that popped into my head was wanting to go home home, like wanting to be done with this carbon base and not in a, a, a suicidal ideology or, you know, depression kind of thing. But I think there is that tendril for a lot of us of, I just want to be homewards easy again. And also home is safety, security, and if that's an issue in your life, you may be um, saying that out loud. No, I definitely agree. I think that there are people, energies, spirits, souls, whatever word you want to use, that are here either for the first time, and I don't mean they're maybe brand new souls. I mean, they have lived lives on other dimensions, and they have chosen to come to Earth at this time to help wake us up for this shift that we're just now starting to experience and feel. I think there are other souls on this planet who are much older, wiser souls who have spent many lifetimes on earth and have taken a really long break from being on earth and are back to help with this shift. And I think those two types of souls are having a really hard time right now. And I think when we have that feeling of, Oh, I just want to go home. It is a yearning for our true home. And I think it's just a sign when you feel that way that you need to recharge your batteries as best you can. You know, I'm not a statistician and I don't have any time on my hands. But if I were either, I've often thought it would be a neat experiment to calculate how many celebrities died in the 90s, how many celebrities died in the early 2000s, compared to how many celebrities have died in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that? I've, I've talked to friends about it. Like, is it just because Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are out there and we know about more celebrities passing? Or 
are there really more people dying now? I, I think in general, a lot of people are choosing to leave. And I don't mean that as taking their own life. I mean it more. Yeah. I've had enough. I want to add one more uh, group to the people you described is the old soul the old soul empaths, the old soul healers. The, and I'm sure you've done readings for folks and I've done readings and, and I think I know people personally, they've had many, many, many sequential lifetimes of, of being healers, of being mystics, of being caretakers, of being nurses, of being, I mean, they've just been in the healing for so long, over and over and over. And I've talked to a couple people again and they say i just don't want to do it anymore i've done my turn i don't want to i don't want to play this role anymore and i think that's another whole demographic i think so some people that are here now have done this so many times and not that they've evolved to a certain level but it goes back to what you just said they need a break they need a break and to be yeah. here for this shift which is huge it's it's big it's it's changing so many so many things and people are waking up but I think a lot of folks are just tired. Yeah. And I don't know if you're experiencing this, but a lot of people in my life are going through major shifts. Maybe it's my age, but I have a lot of friends right now who are helping parents to make that final transition or friends who are caretaking parents in the final stage. I have several friends who are making the difficult decision to leave a marriage or a relationship. I have other friends who are being forced out of their career when they're not ready to be or are realizing this isn't the career I'm supposed to be in. So I, I have a lot of people who are going through really big stuff right now. And I really I can't think of any friend where I'm like, oh yeah, she's doing just fine just where she is. And really, almost everyone I know is going through this big, oh shit, it's time to make a change moment. Yeah, big transition. And whenever we big transitions. And I think whenever we go through those, our instinct is always, huh, I just want to go home, help. This is scary. You know, Don't, if we're on vacation and we get lost, our first thought is, oh, I just want to be home where I know where everything is. So I think, I think that's a common sentiment that she's expressing. And I would recommend that you just take a break as much as you can, you know, take a weekend where you can sleep more, where you can read books that are comforting and uplifting, where I mean, you and anytime you feel lost or unsettled, try to have something that brings you back to center, mm -hmm. whether it's a beloved book or a movie that makes you feel cozy or a friend that always has the right thing to say, or whether it's doing a certain art project that uplifts you, but try to have something. And for me, sometimes it's as simple as going to Trader Joe's and filling my house with fresh flowers. Exactly. You know, it, it doesn't have to be anything giant or huge, just something that, that just lightens your day, recharges your battery, and reminds you, this isn't my true home, but damn it, I'm going to make it home right now. Right, right. It, 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 I'm going to make this place my home is what I meant to say. Right. And being present and being grounded and, and gift, gifting yourself with that time or the, that self-care and nurturing. Yeah. Okay. This next question says, I just listened to your show you did with Tony Marciano, which was very in-depth. I think it's interesting to look at this from an energy perspective as, as well. Years ago, before I knew I was an empath, I was seeing a therapist who told me they didn't know why, but if she were to invite 100 people to a party, and one controlling, narcissistic, emotionally draining, abusive person, somehow we would find each other. No matter how perfect anyone else in the room was, I would choose him. I was a puzzle by this, and it was one of those things that stuck with me forever. Fast forward 10 years, and I've repeated this cycle again and again. I'm in a Reiki class. My teacher is an amazing woman who does a lot of chakra balancing, and she says to think of your aura as a bubble. Whatever the color is, round, and the edges are are smooth it's like a full balloon then think of the trauma that has occurred in your life each trauma causes a dent in your auric field so now instead of a healthy and full balloon the auric field has some dents here and there you attract someone whose auric field can fill those dents and where you fill theirs until you've done the work to repair the dents the trauma you will continue to attract the same kind of people who fill those spaces this may have been the biggest light bulb moment of my life all of a sudden everything made so much sense and the choices that I made and who I dated, the reasons I chose the people that I chose, why I choose someone who has so much potential and just needs someone who believes in them. 
clicked. She changed my life that day. I have physically taken a step back. I am choosing not to date while I take time to heal my past trauma. I keep reminding myself I do not currently have the tools to create a healthy romantic relationship, but I am working on it. I know when I choose to put myself back in the dating world, it will be a drastically different experience, one that doesn't cause trauma. Okay, I don't know if we read this one on last month's show or if I answered it, but this one's really familiar. So I apologize if this is a repeat, but I think the story she shares is worth repeating because it illustrates that like attracts like and that energy um, vampires tend to be attracted to energetic empaths because to continue her metaphor, the dents in our balloons match up. Right. That's a good visual. It's a very good visual. It really is. It really is. Um, Oh, and that reminds me, I just want to take a little break before we get back into the questions and tell people about some upcoming shows. Um, we are super happy to announce, speaking of energy vampires, that we are going to have Dr. Christian Northrup on our show coming up the first week in August. And she's going to be talking about her brand new book, Dodging Energy Vampires. And the subtitle is An Empath's Guide to Evading Relationships that Drain You and Restoring Your Health and Power. So I think that's a very apt show for our podcast and we are honored and excited and a little nervous to have such an esteemed author and presenter on our show. Yes. But it'll be fun. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to say that we're going to have a show on um, energy vampires coming up. We're actually going to do it in two parts. Denise and I are going to talk about energy vampires so that everyone's familiar with the lingo before we have Dr. Northrop on. Next week we have um, an a wonderful interview that we did with Jillian Wild, who created the Naked Heart Tarot deck. And she's going to talk about her process creating the deck, envisioning the deck, using her intuition to come up with the meanings and how she put it all together. I don't think she ever promoted it with the first run and it sold out. I mean, she right. just had wonderful success with that. Which goes along with when you align with what your purpose is. It's amazing how the universe will will very synchronistically put things, they'll put the, the breadcrumbs out for you. Isn't that the truth? So we have a lot of great shows coming up, and we hope you'll continue to tune in and check them out. Okay, yeah. do you want me to read the next one? Uh, I want to go back to the last question just for a second. Is Please. that you know, repeating patterns, bringing in the same person with a different face, wanting to uh, change that in ourselves. I Kudos to this person for taking the break to work on themselves to say, I'm done. I don't want to do this. I think I know personally I've done that and I've, I made that choice of, okay, until I know I've healed this in me, I don't want to attract the same pattern anymore. Equally, just to another part that's going on, this dear woman that I know who is so amazing with astrology, she sent me a she's been talking sending me these little notes and she said the eclipses that are happening right now go back to where you were 19 years ago and whatever was going on in your life that was big or traumatic whatever was happening around 19 years ago because i didn't realize eclipses follow a 19 year cycle that if you didn't deal with those lessons that time if you didn't like internalize it and figure it out and put it to rest it's going to come back again during this eclipse season so I think that that's very similar to what this woman is saying. Do your work, get it done so that you don't have to repeat the lesson and you can move on to something else. That's all. <laughs> so if you avoid something now, you have to repeat it again in 19 years? That's the theory, yes. So that, And I start oh. thinking, okay, where was I 19 years ago? And holy blank, blank, blank. It was a very dark time in my life. And I did do some incredibly, incredibly huge changes, lots of work, but I see similarities now in my life. And I didn't realize it until she had told me this, that that's when Mm -hmm. I was trying to decide, do I leave my marriage? Do I move back East? Do I, you know, there was a lot going on in my life. And now, you know, I just finished up my my career and I'm moving in a new direction. Do I want to move again? So it's it is the same lessons, but I'm coming at it from a different perspective. So I think there are still some tendrils of those original lessons that I have to work through, but I'm mm-hmm. going to put it to rest this time and move forward. So that especially, you know, where I am, 19 years is 
going back 19 years is a, a lot more than going forward. So <laughs> I want to make sure I have this shit taken care of. <laughs> yeah, that's a great perspective on these eclipses. It's yeah. it's a funky energy we're in right now. Five planets in retrograde and lots of lots of movement and change. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, this yeah. next one says, um, Samantha, I feel very akin to your story in many ways. Years ago, I also made the decision to disconnect from my mother, who is an energy vampire to the umpteenth degree, to the point that I can only describe it as emotional abuse. Because it is not a physical violence, it's sometimes hard to explain to someone who isn't an empath. It can be hard to explain why the boundary is necessary for my health. It's a choice that people question me on regularly, both family and friends, and in some cases, has hurt and caught, has caused hurt in those relationships. She asked a few years ago what she could have done to have a relationship with me again. I told her that she needed to see a counselor and work on healthy relationship boundaries. That when she did not let me know, that when she did that to let me know, and I'd be happy to join sessions with her. I haven't heard back from her on that topic. It's hard. I often spend big holidays at home, just me and my dogs. I miss having a family. But I know without question that I have made the right decision for my mental and emotional health, and I don't regret it. Thank you for sharing your story. It's really nice to feel the validation that I'm not the only one that's had to face this difficult choice. And I I think I just, I asked her, you know, can I share your story? And I, I won't say your name. And she said, absolutely. And I think that it's, um, it's such a difficult decision to make when you choose not to engage with a parent mm-hmm. who is emotionally abusive. I think... You know, I've said before, like if a parent ever whacks you around and, and hits you or, or sexually assaults you, that's a no-brainer. You walk away from that. You know, that's like done. I'm not, not going to go back in front of that moving bus. But when someone is um, emotionally abusive, it's much harder to make that decision because they can they can flip it and manipulate you and turn it around. Well, I only said that because you... Oh, you're just so sensitive. You took it the wrong way. You've always been sensitive. Or, well, you know how I get. When I get angry, I say things. You, you need to learn not to take it personally. Walking away from that type of abuse is much, much harder. And so I applaud her for sharing her story. And I, and I thank her for, you know, having the courage to share it. It's, it's just not an easy decision to make. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if I can keep my decision uh, forever, but I keep in touch with my mom through my sister and I help my sister as much as I can. I try to make meals and send them over. I, you know, I try to, um, I talk to my mom's doctor frequently. So I try to help from the shadow, like from the wings, what's it called when you're off stage, Mm -hmm. you know, from the sidelines, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, while not engaging in that verbal, uh, put down every single day and it's not a diff- an easy decision it has been difficult and yet I think when you're dealing with an emotionally abusive person you have to look at your priorities in your life and right now my priorities are my girls my kids and if and I, it's just me you know it's it's like I'm the one that's providing for them, supporting them, taking care of them. And so if I get knocked down for the count after a visit with my mom, that's that's not fair to my kids. If I come home drained or sad or angry, and so I just had to make the decision to walk away for now so I can be everything I, I can be and need to be for my girls. When they're older and and I'm, you know, have more time, I will deal with my mom. <laughs> but for now, I did make that decision to just take that daily break from engaging and it's it's made all the difference it's been very very healthy and very very helpful it still is a taboo in this world we live in to say i don't speak to my mom don't you think i i think that this is one of the the most difficult um for for anyone on the planet but especially if you add in being empathic and sensitive it's people if they have not experienced it have no idea of how deep this root goes 
And I just, because especially like you and I, we both have a Catholic background and it's honor thy parents and the biblical piece. And, and we'll hear people say, but it's your mother or it's your sister or it's your, whoever that close person might be to you. But they also don't realize how much strength it took and how much happened before you got to the point where you had to draw that boundary. It's not like all of a sudden, oh, she pissed me off and I'm done. This has been a very, and I'm speaking from my own situation and also from, from other people that I know, but it's really hard when people don't understand it's the only way you can take care of yourself and you're not doing it to, to be cruel or disrespectful or, or arrogant or self-centered. It's just, you can't take it anymore. And I, I was in the same place with my sons that I made a conscious choice to limit contact or to, to have certain things with, with some people in my life. And everyone would say, oh, you're going to regret this later on. You're going to be so sorry later on. And, and I'm not because I, in my mind, I was protecting myself and protecting my boys. The only other thing that I want to add in with that is covert emotional abuse. If you're with a narcissist, if you're with someone with addiction issues, if you're with someone who is, uh, you know, a, a parent who is, it's all those things that you just said, you know, why are you so sensitive? But there's also that little subtle twist to it of, I never said that. Why would you think I said that? You must have heard me wrong. Why would you think? And it all becomes focused back on you so that you own it, you feel it, and you harbor it so that they can step away and continue the behavior. And I have absolute respect and sending so much love to anyone who is in that situation because it's horrific. It, but when it you step over that and you say, I can't do it anymore, people don't realize, I, I, from personal experience, it, it is probably one of the hardest things you're ever going to have to do in your life. I agree. But, one of the covert emotional abuse things I hear from other people the most is, you're going to feel guilty when she dies. Yes. And I think that's a very abusive thing to say if you haven't walked a day in my shoes. What? It's very mean to say that. It is mean, yeah. And and so and my response is always, I can either feel like shit every single day until she dies and then deal with it then, or I can have some really happy, healthy years and still feel crappy when she, I'm going to feel crappy when she dies either way, right? Like who's like, oh, my mom died. You want to go to lunch today? I mean, you're going to feel pain no matter how you journey there. And so I feel like you might as well work on yourself now. Otherwise, you'll drive yourself crazy. I showed up to my therapist's office one day years ago with a binder, and it was all these emails uh, and letters she had sent me through the years because I wanted to show him how manipulative she could be. And he looked at the binder and he said, I'm not even going to open this. And I said, why? And he said, you don't have to prove it to anyone. Oh. And that was, you know, really, really profound because I think with, especially like you said, covert emotional abuse, that's where they flourish and, and shine is in that covert manipulation where we always think, is it us? Could I have done that better? What if I had said this? What if I had done that? And so I think to just step away and take that time to set your boundary and love yourself. And, it, you know, and she said, I said to my mom, if you go to therapy, I'll be right there with you. And the mother didn't respond. And I've had the same conversations several times. I'll pay for it. I'll show, you know, and they're, they don't want to work on themselves. No. Um, and then before we move on to the next question, I just want to touch on the holidays because I think that can be really, really hard I love the holidays. Um, my girls and I are having a Christmas in July party because we love the holidays so much. <laughs> but I also hate the holidays at the same time because because of stuff like this. They do shine a spotlight on all the stuff you try not to think about in the dailiness. You know, all the people going through divorce who get through Christmas and know, oh, at noon, I've got to say goodbye to my kids so they can go see their mom or their dad or all the people at Thanksgiving who get no invitations to go anywhere. Um, I think all of those holidays can be really, really, really hard. And I think it's okay to plan for that incident before it happens. What, like one of the holidays I don't like, I know this is going to feel so weird to these 
but I don't like my birthday. I don't mm-hmm. like being the center of attention. I don't like everyone calling. Happy birthday. What are you doing today? I just, I don't like it. I'm not comfortable. I don't like people going into stores. What would Samantha like? I, it just, I don't want to be. <laughs> so I always go on vacation for the week of my birthday. It's my birthday gift to myself and my kids and, and I go out of town. I love it. And so that's how I've avoided that. Um, I have another friend who doesn't like Christmas. She made the decision to walk away from Christianity and from her hardcore religious family. And it's been a very difficult decision for her. And so she goes away every Christmas. She goes out of town. Mm-hmm. So something, you know, just something to think about when you go into the holidays is just to prepare for them in a way that makes you feel comfortable. Exactly. exactly. Do you like your birthday? Am I the only person that's like, oh, No, you're not don't. the only one. I just, I like to keep it under the wire. I don't. Yeah. Except, you know, two years ago, a couple of years ago, I did a day for myself. I didn't, I just kind of blocked it out. But then I went and did a couple little things to celebrate me with just myself. And then that sounds so weird. I didn't want to go have a big dinner out. I didn't want to go have a, I didn't want to go party. I didn't want to do that. But I wanted to do something to acknowledge me just for my, mm-hmm. that sounds weird. It sounds egotistical and I don't mean it that way because usually there's abs- I avoid it at all costs. Uh, the other thing, just last thing I promise is for a lot of us who have had a parent or a sibling or someone in our family of origin who instilled those uh, those patterns, for lack of a better word, with um, narcissistic or however we want to word it, and you have to draw boundaries, oftentimes that will show up with either a partner or with friendships that continue through your life. So you're a, it, when you work on those skill set with your parents, it also helps you redefine some boundaries with other people in your lives as well. I agree. And another thing for the holidays, if you don't like them, a great way to spend them is volunteering. The uh, shelters, the, especially the food shelters, they always need extra volunteers, especially on Thanksgiving and Christmas. And that's a great way to kind of dive your energy into a community without, you know, having to deal with the sadness of those days. A lot of the um, animal rescue groups, a lot of them need so much help over the holidays because people are going out of town. So just plan plan ahead for those difficult days, I think is a good way to, to tackle all of that. But keep setting your boundaries and keep focusing on yourself because love of self is what will heal the world. Oh, that's beautifully put. That's very, very Okay, we'll move on. You can read the okay. next one. Um, Good evening. My best friend of 28 years lost her grandmother two days ago. They were very close, as typically happens when the senior member of the family passes over. The family splits and drama ensues. The family is in pain, struggling to come together, and my beautiful, empathic friend is staying strong for all while struggling to deal with her own grief and some other personal issues. We live 1,200 miles apart and talk at least once a day between caring for kids and husband's school and work. I was in the shower last night listening to the episode on codependency, getting super emotional. And Samantha, damn it, if you didn't just tell me to get on a plane. I got out of the shower, but she paused the podcast and booked a a flight to Detroit. She was leaving the next day when she wrote this. And she didn't realize how much her friend needed her until she realized I was coming. And she attracted she actually this lady was so sweet and she attached the screen recording of her of the um flight coming through and but i just think that that's another way of pay attention to those signs and i really my my initial reaction is that grandmother said my girl needs you get your ass on a plane and it came through with the podcast with the timing with the synchronicity and she and i just got willies from head to toe when i said that and i think when it hits you that fast take action when you can't deny it, when it, and I love when, when spirit does that, because I don't think it was the podcast. I think it was those in spirit saying, say these words, she needs to hear it. We need her here. Uh, Yeah. Is that the one where I was saying show up even when you don't feel you should, but you know, you should, you know, just show up. Yeah. 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 I think that's such an important lesson to learn. And I think it's a hard one to learn because especially for empaths, we're so sensitive and we're like, oh, do they really want us there? 
Um, but I think it's always a good message to just show up and, and, and I just give her a lot of credit for following the sign and the guidance and the synchronicity. I'm so glad she did that. That's a great story. And for getting on the plane because she's terrified of flying. <laughs> exactly. Okay. This one um, is, is to you, but I'll go ahead and read it. Denise, thank you for the inspiring response to stay positive. I have another question I've been meaning to ask and could use your mediumship knowledge on. I used to frequently give meditations at a retirement home. However, one time while I was giving a meditation, I felt a strange feeling in my head. I had felt this feeling before, like my head was growing and my presence was filling the room. This time it happened a lot faster. And after that feeling, I started feeling like I was spinning. When I opened my eyes, my vision was spinning too. Slowly, I got everyone out of the meditation and it faded away. I assumed I was dehydrated or something. However, when I went back to do another meditation, it happened again. This time, the spinning was a lot stronger. I knew it wasn't fatigue or hunger now or dehydration. So I'm wondering if this has ever happened to you or if it could have had anything to do with the fact that it was at a retirement home where a lot of souls were teetering on the edge of the veil. Just wanting some clarification on a strange situation that happened but has stuck with me. Needless to say, I have not given any meditations at the retirement home. <laughs> okay, I think it could be the energy at the retirement home, but to me, that's just, uh, that's her aura opening and expanding. That's her kundalini rising. What do you think? I, I think yes. And I think the fact that it happened there, uh, retirement homes, hospitals, um, Alzheimer units, uh, rehab facilities. There is so much energy in those places. And especially as you know, the retirement home, you not only have the energy of all those people, but all the people that are, are sitting next to them every night, holding their hand, waiting for them to come home. So um, I've, I've only had that happen a couple times where I've had like such a physical reaction when I'm working with people. And to the point where it made me a little woozy or uncomfortable and it's it's incredibly incredibly unsettling because again i and i love 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 that she said i think i'm dehydrated because that's exactly what i'll do oh i didn't drink enough water maybe i need a snack or i'm just tired i'll try I'll, even though we do this all the time that logical part of our brain will kick in and try to make something that is so illogical we we try to put put make it have it have it make sense. I agree. But I, I, yeah, it, it feels I, it feels scary. It is scary, and it feels out of control. And then it becomes: Am I inviting someone else's energy in? Is there? I mean, there's so many variables to that. But it's a great question. It's a really great question. And I, I again, I would do the same thing. as I would be very. You know what? I just got a flash of though. Is I wonder if it's someone specific in the room. It just feels like someone has a very strong energy in that in that group that she was doing. And if she did it with smaller groups, I wonder if she'd have the same impact. Could be. And I wonder if she kept doing it, if it would diminish. Going back to Reiki, when I would first, when I was first learning Reiki and doing Reiki on myself every day, I would always do it in conjunction with opening up my chakras. And my whole body would spin like that. And it was kind of disorienting. And at the same time, maybe because I am weird, it was very comforting. I like that spacey feeling. <laughs> like it was like, oh, this is actually working. And so I would go with it. And as I kept doing the Reiki, now it took about a year, maybe a year and a half, that vibrating, spinning feeling diminished. After reading and practicing and studying Reiki and energy for so many years, I think what they say about Reiki and energy in general is true. If you think about our bodies as like a clogged drain, I mean, think about all the crap that's in us with old memories and emotions, but then just with physical toxins and chemicals that we ingest in the air and our water and everything everywhere every day, we are like a clogged drain. And when we are opening up ourselves and inviting the energy from the light to come in, it's got to spin around all this clogged debris. And if you think about a clogged drain, you know, or just even, even just go into your kitchen sink. This is fun to do, and it helps your kitchen sink too. You can pour a cup of baking soda down the drain, 
and then pour a cup of vinegar and watch it just explode and bubble and vibrate and spin because it's clearing out any residue in the drain underneath your sink. And if you do it the next day, it'll bubble. And if you do it the third day, it'll bubble. But by the fourth day, it's barely going to make a little pop of a bubble. You know why? Because it's clean. And so I think as you continue to do these meditations and spin and vibrate and clean your energy, that scary, spacey feeling will diminish. Good point. Very good point. You know, can I just, a little aside, there was a woman, I think she was a New York Times writer, um, nothing spiritual about this example at all, but she was pregnant with her first child and she wanted to make sure that she was completely chemical toxic free. So she kept having um, her blood tested for chemicals and toxins and she would, it would come back with this chemical in it and she'd find out, oh, that's from the milk I drink or, oh, that's from the wine I drink or that's from this. And she would eliminate that and she kept doing that and she had her baby and so then she kept sending her breast milk to be tested. And her at this time, her house had been cleaned of every chemical. She was using organic this and that and, and everything. And the breast milk coming, kept coming back with this chemical in it. And nobody could find out where it came from. Her house was clean and clear of chemicals. Well, do you know that every single one of the couches that we all sit on is sprayed with a chemical? to prevent it from going up on, on in fire. Mm -hmm. And so the chemical in her breast milk was coming from the couch she sat on. Wow. And when I read that article, I was like, I wanted to say mm, it because if I, if I do all that and, and live on only grass and, and water from a well blessed <laughs> by Tibetan monks, I'm still going to get chemicals from my furniture. <laughs> right. so, anyway, all of that is to say, no matter how hard you try to live a pure and clean, healthy life, you're still going to have toxins and stuff in you just from being on this earth. And so you've got to meditate and do chakra cleansing. And sometimes you're going to have that vibratory feeling, but I don't think it's a bad thing or a scary thing. No. Okay. I'll shut up now. You go ahead. No, no. I liked the story. I, I did. <laughs> Um, okay, so what are, what are we up to? Um, oh, this is an easy one. How long do you have to wait until you try to contact a loved one who's passed? That is, uh, a lot of people will say, give them time to acclimate. I've heard people say at least three to six months to give them time to adjust and also to have you step out of your grief on this side so that it's not so raw. I did have someone get in touch with me a little while ago and, you know, the person wasn't coming through. I was just getting these little kind of little tidbits about the person. And finally I said, how long ago did he pass? And she said, oh, last week. And I said, oh, this is much too soon. Sometimes they will come in very quickly, very gangbusters, ready to go. But it depends on the person who's passed and it depends on, from my own personal experience, it depends on the, the person in spirit, but also where you are in your grief process. I, I agree. I had, when I, um, when I had my office, I had a, I had clients backed up all day and it was a three o'clock client and I'd been doing readings since about 10 and at three fifteen, three twenty, no client. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I just have a little break till four. And then at three thirty, she came in and she was a blubbering mess. And I got up from my table and hugged her and I said, are you okay? We can reschedule. And she said, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I want to do the reading. And I was like, okay. Now, I was brand new to doing professional actual readings. And she said, um, I want to connect with my father. And I said, okay. And so I, I brought through, I, I think the first thing I said was Johnny Cash and her dad used to help out, um, not in the band, but like the back, like a, what's it called? Like a road stage person. Road, yep. Thank you. Um, so a lot of great, specific, unusual validations came through. And she's just crying hysterically the whole time. And I'm like, what do I do? And I just kept doing the reading. And when we finished, she said, okay, thank you so much. I have to go now and pick out the suit my dad's going to wear. Oh. And I said, excuse me? And she said, he just died this morning. 
oh, oh, willies, oh. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, I did another reading with a woman. An elderly woman came to see me. She was very quiet. You could tell this was not her normal cup of tea. And I just sat down, and um, I don't normally like for them to say I want to connect with my dad, you know, but that woman had just spit it out. This woman didn't tell me. And I just said, I'm, I'm sensing a man around you. And, and he showed me how he proposed to her. And he showed me um, how she had two wedding rings and all these lovely validations. And she was just nodding and nodding, very kindly, smiling, a little crying. And after 30 minutes, I said, do you recognize this? And she said, yes, Samantha, I do. That's my husband. But he's very much alive. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh. And she said, but he has full-blown Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, huh, I wonder. And she said, I think he's getting ready to, to transition. Well, I think she used a different word, but that's the word I prefer. And anyway, so all of that is to say those two experiences stayed with me because they didn't feel right. I, I don't think, I don't think it's right to bother them when they're about to transition or when they have just transitioned. I did that because I was early on in my development and didn't know any better. Not an excuse, but that's the reason why I did that. And now I think it's proper and respectful to give them time over there to adjust. Now I've had other clients who have come to me and their person they want to connect with has been on the other side for six months and it's crickets. I get nothing from them. Mm -hmm. I will see an image of a nursing home in our town and that's my symbol for they are still resting. Some people will go over and for whatever reason, it takes them a lot longer to acclimate to the other side. Again, compare it to school. You know, when my oldest started kindergarten, she had a really hard time. She cried every day for about three months. When my middle daughter went to school, she was like, bye, mom. (laughs) (laughs) She acclimated right away. So I think different energies are are different. And and I just think it's respectful to give people time. I agree. I agree entirely. I I want to just add one little piece to that is a lot of times people I know who have lost someone and those first, they they say that folks, and I don't know how true this is, but they say folks who they'll hang around. They want to see their funeral. They want to see how things happen. They want to try to comfort the people that were still here. And I've had people in spirit come to me like two days after they pass and say, please call her and tell her I'm okay. And, and I'm taking that from them to the person that needs the message. And, and it will be, they'll give me something that, okay, please tell her this or that. And, and I always honor that as well in the sense I'm not asking for it. They're giving it to me. And it's usually very random or it's not. Or I'll be talking to the person who just lost. I'm thinking specifically of um, a friend of mine lost her dear, dear, dear friend. And as we were talking on the phone, this woman in spirit, it had been just like literally a day or two popped in and gave me a message to give to our mutual friend. And, and I did, and it was, it was healing and it was wonderful and it was kind, but it wasn't anything that I solicited. I didn't go looking for that person. I think you're, you're, that's a really, really important point. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. And I think too, sometimes the person on the other side is ready, but the person sitting in front of you or on the other line of the phone isn't ready, even though they think they are grief-wise, they aren't. So I, I think some time should pass, and I, and I think we should respect that. Um, our last question, I think, again, we might have answered last month. This is my problem, people, is I get the emails, and then I try my best to answer them personally, and then at the end, I'll say, do I have your permission to read this on the show? And then I forget if I've already read it on the show. So I might, <clears throat> excuse me, I might be repeating myself, but it's a good question. I just finished your Uh, episodes and listen to the one on past life regression. I have always been very empathic and I'm currently struggling to follow my call to become an artist, but I have this huge creative block. I feel that some of this blockage stems from past lives. So I've been listening to guided past life regression meditation. During every meditation, I feel this horrible anxiety, almost like a mini panic attack, but I try to muscle through. Then right before I'm supposed to see a past life, I have about a vertigo. I rarely see anything, but I'm very empathic, so I can feel intense emotions. I then ask my guys to help me receive a lesson, 
and I do plan on having a session with a professional. Do you know what I might be, why I might be experiencing so much fear? Does it mean I experience major trauma? Is there anything I can do or any crystal I can use to help have a successful regression? Any information will be greatly appreciated. I hope this helps other listeners who may be struggling with the same problem. So I think creative blocks can come from a past life issue. I think they can most usually stem from a block inside of ourselves that I call Mm self-doubt. You know, that why me uh, energy of can I really do this? Am I really good at this? And I think it's, I think if you think it's a past life block, then by all means follow that. And I think it's a good idea to see someone who is trained in past life hypnotherapy regression. Um, I think it's good to try them on your own as well. One thing that a lot of people forget when they're doing a past life regression is to state an intention. If it's true that we've lived dozens or hundreds or thousands of past lives and you regress to see a past life, you might just get the most memorable one, but not the one that's connected to the issue that you're there for. So I think it's really important to state the intention. It is my intention to recall the past life that is causing my current creative block. Then that kind of gives your subconscious mind a compass, a direction. What do you think? Yes, I agree. The intention is very, very important. And also for folks who are highly creative, who are you know, artists, photographers, musicians, uh, graphic design, whatever it might be. I, so many folks I know that are, are just, they're gifted beyond words, but they can't quite nudge themselves out of that comfort zone of thinking they're good enough or thinking that they'll, it, I don't know if it's perfectionism or fear or I'm, it's that worthy piece. It always comes back to the, that worthy thing. Why would anyone want to see, you know, read my book, look at my art, hear my music, which goes along with, you know, being sensitive and putting yourself out there. Yeah. And I think, too, if you can redirect your focus, that can help, you know, go around the block. I I hope that's not perceived as avoidance, but sometimes we're not ready to deal with the block. When I wrote um, one of my manuscripts and I got a really good agent to rep it. I was on top of the world. And then when she found out what I did for a living and she read the book I was working on at that time, which was on a teenager discovering she was psychic, she emailed me and said, I'm an atheist Jew. This is too much for me. Wow. It was heart-wrenching. And I have not written a word of fiction since. I'm not proud of that. I know, that's my block that I'm working on. But what I chose to do is while I'm working on healing that that little pain of creative energy blocked in me is I have focused on other creative projects that are feeding my light. Mm-hmm. And so I'm ready to face that and chip away at that block and get back to fiction. And so I have spent the last few years just focusing on nonfiction and writing spiritual articles for BeliefNet and working on a lot of drawing and artwork and watercolors. And that's been really helpful as I work through that other creative block. So that would be my other suggestion is switch what you're working on until you're ready to tackle that, that point, that, that pain of that block. Yes. That, that's beautiful, beautiful advice. But if you're here to be a creative, you must create. Yes. If you're here to be an intuitive, you must intuit. If you're here to be an empath, you must feel i mean we've got we've got to be who we're here to be otherwise we'll have blocks everywhere Mm -hmm. anything you want to add to that before we close out no i think i think you covered that beautifully and um we had some great questions it was a nice variety so thank you very much for for sending them in Yes, and if you want to send in a question or a story to be read, read or shared on our August Community Connections, please email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com, or you can message us on Facebook at Enlightened Empaths. And I don't know why, Denise, when I set up that page, somehow it set us up as motivational speakers, which mm-hmm. we're not. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I mean, we're podcasters. And I don't know, I don't know if I clicked, is there a box that says motivational speaker that I click? I don't know. Anyway, so people leave us reviews on that page all the time and I read them, but 
I can't click on them to comment on them. It's strange. So anyway, I just want people to know that Denise and I read all those lovely reviews and we really, really appreciate them. Sometimes if I click around enough, I get to a space where I can comment, but most times when I go on to check it, I can't find that magic button. <laughs> I just wanted people to know that I do read them. I know you do too, Denise, and we really, yes. really appreciate you connecting with us on our Facebook page. Um, if you get a moment, please leave us a review on our iTunes page, Enlightened Empaths on iTunes. It helps other people to find us, and the more reviews we get, um, the more easy it is for other people to find us on iTunes. They'll offer it as suggestions when you look at other shows about empaths or intuitions and things like that. Um, please don't forget to join us next week when we'll have our um, entrepreneur show, Jillian Wild of the Naked Heart Tarot. And in the meantime, we hope you have oh, a beautiful, blessed let me week. Just pop one more thing in real quick, please, before we end. <laughs> I wanted to just say thank you to the folks who signed up for the mediumship webinar. It's been a beautiful start, a great group of people. We had talked about offering this as a daytime option. Um, we may, so if you have any interest in a daytime options, could you pop us a note as well so that we can see if there's enough interest to, to go forward with um, the, the webinar offered at an earlier time slot. Thank you for, yeah, our, our evening class is full. We have a lovely group. It's been great connecting and meeting with them and partnering them up. If you want to do a day one, Denise and I are just wondering, like, what we've never done a day webinar. Should it be a Friday at lunchtime? Are Wednesdays better? So if you're inter interested in the daytime webinar, if you could just shoot us an email or message us on Facebook and let us know. Um, and we'll take the majority of the answers and come up with a with a good daytime option for those of you that might work at night or be stay-at-home moms or um, just be self-employed where a daytime option would be better for you. That would be really helpful to us. So thank you again so much, everybody. Have a great week. Don't forget to show up, do great work, and share your light. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.